What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? No, I can't. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to the races, and he stays on his feet. This is going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Toughest players to rank in 2023. How do we rank Kyler Murray and... Drake London and Michael Thomas and Dalvin Cook. I asked Jamie and Heath, give me your toughest players to rank. We came together with a list of 10 players. We'll talk about them today. Happy belated Mother's Day to everybody out there. I'll first ask you guys, rank, I assume you did something fun and festive for Mother's Day, rank the top three things you ate yesterday on Mother's Day, and I will give you a second to think about it, and I will give you my top three. Number three, chocolate pie. I don't really like pie, but it was good. Number two, Sicilian Slice of pizza, don't get to eat that very often, was a nice change up. Number one, cookies and cream ice cream. Those are my top three. You guys good? You got your list? Um, Top three things. Well, I was traveling yesterday, so it was weird. We had breakfast in a hotel, so nothing fantastic there. And we tried a pizza place. We were in Gainesville. We tried a pizza place in Gainesville because it's changed so much since my wife and I both went to school there. So it it was good. And then um, she's a uh, she has like a weird uh, food fetish, I guess, for um, <laughs> fried flounder <laughs> at Red Lobster. Ooh. All right, fried flounder. <laughs> so, we, so we went out of our way for fried flounder for her. So. Okay, all right. On the way home. Love it, uh, Heath. Any fetishes that you'd like to share? We also had fried fish um, with uh, mango salsa. So that was both of those were definitely in the top three. That was that was lunch and dinner, kind of a mix yesterday afternoon at my parents' place. Um, but yesterday morning, I uh, went to Publix, saw all the dads buying the flowers and, and stuff for Mother's Day, and bought all the stuff for a uh, waffle bar. So we nice. did uh, waffles and uh, fruit, whipped cream, Nutella, all the different things you could put on waffles. That's awesome. Uh, that does sound really good. That's good stuff. All right. Tough. My, my, my wife decided for Mother's Day, she's like, let's go see uh, two top seven teams in the country play baseball. Oh, who'd they play? 
Uh, Florida Vanderbilt. They swept oh. Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt came in, uh, I think, Baseball America had them number three, and Florida was seven. They swept them. Oh, gosh. It's the SEC. This is like probably like six of the top ten. All right, anyway, uh, let's uh, let's get into the toughest players to rank. I'm going to get one from each of you, then we'll do some news and notes. Javante Williams might be ready for training camp. That's a big story. We'll update you on Michael Thomas, but just give me one player right now. Heath, how about you? Give me one player from your toughest players to rank list. Uh, it's got to be Dalvin Cook, because if Dalvin Cook is on the Minnesota Vikings and the lead running back in August, then he's probably a second-round pick. Um, third round at the latest, just only because of his age and concerns about how much he's sharing with Alexander Madison. But there's also a situation where he could get cut a month from now and then maybe struggle to find a, a lead job. So it's and there's a lot of guys in that range. Like We've already seen Zeke and Fournette and Kareem Hunt basically in that same range as Dalvin Cook in terms of age and, and stage of their career already no longer employed, and we're not sure where they're going to play. There could be a couple more coming after June 1st. It's funny you mentioned Dalvin because uh, we're in the middle of our rookie-only draft, and I was on the clock in the 10th pick of the second round, I think it is, 11th pick of the second round, um, of a 14-team league. And I was like, oh, man, I should probably take um, McBride here because in the case of, yeah. of Cook getting cut. And I was like, you know, this feels – Feels too soon. What if it's wrong? This was on the heels of uh, Diana Rossini's report. I think we were on the show, Adam, when we did it. Um, when you read the report from from uh, uh, your favorite reporter. But um, I was like, no, I'm going to wait. And then I realized, oh, I have the sixth pick in the third round. I'm like, if, if I'm still on the board there, no-brainer. And that's what I ended up doing, um, taking McBride there. But, yeah, he's, he's one of those guys. Uh, Madison and McBride could be very, very intriguing if Dalvin Cook is released, according to the report. And we're going to find out very soon. You know, as we are getting closer to June 1st, we can see a situation where maybe Mixon and Dalvin Cook are looking for jobs. Yeah, and the latest report over the weekend, I think, from Jeremy Fowler of ESPN was that there's currently no clear-cut trade opportunity for Dalvin Cook. Doesn't mean that there won't be, but currently there is not one. Uh, Dwayne McBride a 5'11", 215-pound kind of a bruiser out of UAB. He was their seventh-round pick. And uh, a guy that can Chris Trapasso wrote. The, yeah, Chris Trapasso, we had him on. Remember, uh, if you were listening to that show, after day three of the NFL draft, he said, could be one of the biggest steals in the class, feature back size, and has the complete skill set to be very elusive at the next level. Not and, crazy uh, fast, just, but has juice. Go ahead. Uh, quick side note. So he's a guy that trains with the, the trainer that I talk to a lot in South Florida. Um, he had a bad hamstring injury uh, and couldn't run at the combine. And I don't even know if he ran at his pro day. I know they told me that they were going to go uh, to the separate workout that he had. But this is what was going through my mind when I was debating drafting him. Uh, this is the same trainer that trained Isaiah Pacheco. And if you recall, Pacheco, seventh-round pick, uh, similar to McBride, seventh-round pick, clearly got an opportunity to be the lead guy there. And he was one of the fastest guys in the combine in terms of Pacheco. And so that just kept in the back of my mind. I'm like, I don't want to miss on the next Pacheco, you know, knowing that that these guys got got him in such great shape. Yeah. Um, and so again, McBride's in a good spot. I I think Chris is right that he's uh, he he's he's got a chance. It, it's one of those situations where there's a path, you know, to to uh, immediate playing time if Dalvin Cook is released. Yeah, it's interesting though because I'm just to wrap this up, Heath. We don't think of Dalvin Cook the same way we think of Zeke and Fournette, right? We still think of this guy has something left in the tank, right? If, if he does go somewhere else. Yeah, well, I'm not so sure that if Zeke and Fournette are, like, if they're starting running back somewhere, I think they probably still have something left in the tank as well. Um, I, I think he's, we feel better about Dalvin Cook, and he has a higher percentage left in the tank, is what we think. But okay. he's still at that same age where if he's a slug next year, it shouldn't surprise anybody. 
Okay. I guess I should ask you where you have them ranked. Uh, you said if he's on the Vikings, he's a round two to three pick. Right now, he's what? I think I've got him in round four. Okay. Dalvin Cook, check the rankings for Jamie. He's RB16 for Heath, RB16 for Dave, RB23, and consensus RB18. All right, Jamie, give me your uh, not be a running back. Give me one player that you find difficult to rank. Chris Godwin. Um, you know, just with the idea of, I still think that he's the type of player, assuming Baker Mayfield wins the job, even though there's the report they're going to compete, um, Kyle Trask and Baker Mayfield, that this is the type of receiver that will still benefit with Baker Mayfield under center. Because, you know, we saw it with Jarvis Landry, you know, slot receiver that had, you know, quality production. And I think Chris Godwin at this point in his career is, is better than what Jarvis Landry was at his point in his career when he was with Baker at Baker's, you know, still I'll say best with, with Cleveland. So I still think Chris Godwin has a chance to be a number two receiver in PPR and, and, and maybe a borderline top 15 guy, but you don't have to draft him that way. However, this could be an absolutely disastrous situation as we saw with DJ Moore, you know, and, and the fact that, you know, DJ Moore was basically a solo act in Carolina and Baker couldn't connect with him. And you have to share now with, you know, not just um, Mike Evans, but some of the other parts of this offense, you know, Rashad White out of the backfield, maybe Kate out in the tight end, you know, we'll see what else they do in terms of their their third receiver. You know, who decides to uh, to step up in that role. But um, I'm still confident in Chris Godwin, no matter the quarterback situation. But I I just don't know the right spot to rank him because, like I said, he can still be a top 15 caliber player. But I, I have him closer to 24 than I do 15. Yeah, yep. I think I'm Not the low guy on him. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. You got him 34. Heath uh, Heath has him 34. Jamie has Chris Godwin 22. Dave has Chris Godwin 21. Go ahead, Heath. Yeah, I just I'm a and I've talked about this before. I'm afraid that the Tampa Bay offense is just not going to look anything at all like what it has the last couple of years when they've thrown the ball like 1400 times in the past two seasons. I would expect they're going to try to go a little bit more run heavy, um, no matter who the quarterback is. And I do think like if we see 600 pass attempts, that'd be surprising, which probably means 30 fewer targets for Goddard uh, or Godwin, uh, two per game. I would say at least. And I'm just afraid the quality of the targets might be terrible too. I, I like Jamie brought it up. I may just have too much uh, bad reaction from DJ Moore. Hmm. Yeah, and Tampa Bay. It's not just the last two years. It's the last five seasons. They've been top six in pass attempts um, and top two in passing yards in five straight seasons. They've been just so prolific. Whether it's been Jameis and Fitzpatrick or Brady. Or, you know, whoever it's been, they've been just so prolific as a passing team. Um, all right, so that's Chris Godwin. And, Jamie, you, you curiously, you have Chris Godwin ranked in between four players whose first names start with D. You go DK Metcalf, DJ Moore, Chris Godwin, Drake London, Debo Samuel. So <laughs> that's that's a nice little quirk. All right, difference, uh, difference of opinion there on Chris Godwin. We've got eight more players to talk about on today's show. Um, would you guys rather have Chris Godwin, by the way, or Jerry Judy? Godwin. I have Judy, I think, one spot or two spots higher. Okay. One spot higher. Um, let me promote a few things. Fantasy baseball today. Jamie and I won a week. We're one in five. Or one in four or five? One in five. One in five. Great. I'm two and five in a different league that has a short week one. I've, I've stopped asking you questions. I'm, yes. I'm running a team without See you. that? Good for you. I didn't want to be in it to begin with, and you made me. So this I is, didn't make you. You kind of made me. This is no, what, I said, do you want to go? You, you don't have to be commissioner. Yes. 
<laughs> oh, wow. I don't remember it that way. I'd love to check the text messages because I do believe you. I said no. I said I'm out. And then you pressured me. All right. But either way, check out I'll Fantasy find it Baseball. while you're talking. Fantasy Baseball today. Please check it out. Great podcast. You can also watch it on YouTube. Uh, YouTube.com slash Fantasy Baseball today. I assume that's the URL. We have a schedule, a schedule alert for our show. We've got four episodes per week. We've got Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Me hosting, you've got Tuesday, your Dynasty-specific episode with Heath hosting. And now, this week, we're going to get beyond the box score going again. That's going to be me, Jacob Gibbs, and Dan Schneier. That was our Monday episode during the season. We're going to start it now as kind of a series. Jacob's booked some great guests, so I think I'm going to publish those on Friday. So we got a lot of fantasy football content coming your way, and it's all very different stuff, too. Uh, and then if you're watching on YouTube at youtube.com slash fantasy football today, please hit the like button. Let's get those likes up. Let's do it. Let's take a break. And when we come back, news and notes and more players who are on the tough to rank list and hopefully some proof that Jamie is a bully. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Okay, welcome back. News and notes. Javante Williams. Maybe a little bit of a surprise is Sean Payton is they're hopeful that he'll be ready for the start of training camp and that he won't have to start training camp on the pup list, physically unable to perform. It looks like Jamie's still looking for evidence. So Heath, what do you think about this news here on Javante Williams? I'm very skeptical. Um, I think it was very similar injury for Williams that J.K. Dobbins had, and J.K. Dobbins suffered his injury a month and a half before Javante Williams did. And Dobbins, as we know, wasn't really himself until the second half of last year. Um, so I'm going to be super cautious on this. If we get to the start of training camp and Javante Williams is a full participant, then, yeah, he's going to skyrocket up my rankings. But I'm, I'm probably not going to move him until that happens. I'm going to make a commitment that in the next two weeks, I'm going to have an injury guest on. Because, so Dobbins had, they both had ACL and LCL tears. Dobbins also tore his meniscus and had a hamstring injury. I don't know everything about Javante Williams. I think it was just ACL and LCL, so maybe it wasn't as bad. But I, I'm not a doctor, so I think we need to get a, a medical professional on. But if he's ready for the start of training camp and Dalvin Cook is on the Vikings, who would you take first, Javante Williams or Dalvin Cook? There's a difference because if he's not starting on the pup, but he's still doing like half the stuff, then it's definitely Dalvin Cook. If he's like a full participant the first day of camp, then I'm probably going to say Javante. I think I'm almost completely out on Javante unless it's just the the price is 
crazy good on draft day. So Adam Levitan said Javante tore his ACL, LCL, and PLC. Dobbins tore his ACL, LCL, and meniscus. And had a hamstring injury, too. So PLC has got to be a typo for PCL, right? Probably. <laughs> I don't think he did tear his PCL, did he? All right, this is what I'm talking about. I mean, I, this is why we need someone who certainly knows. I mean, you just think about it. You know, for the most part, I, I think we get caught up in the nostalgia of Adrian Peterson came back from an eighth-month recovery and was an MVP of the NFL. That just doesn't happen. <laughs> Try to figure out all the CLs that he that he ripped up. All right, I found the text. Okay, what do we got? Um, I don't know if there was a previous one, but on March 28th, I said, Jack will commission, we'll share the team again. Good, question mark. You replied back, live draft, question mark. I said, not sure what he has planned. He sent an email about keeping the league going. I said, yes. Your first reply was, okay, I'll do it. Hopefully we can draft Aaron Judge. And then you started <laughs> talking about work. Excellent. It doesn't sound like there's any bullying there. So I don't. That's why I got. We got to go back in history. And your suggestion of a typo was incorrect. You should apologize to Adam because um, from October of 2022, Ian Rapport said that he tore his ACL and his LCL and a posterior lateral corner. Oh, oh okay. PLC. <laughs> okay, listen. So I'm just gonna go ahead and say this without being able to confirm. There was a bullying phone call involved with Jamie. Uh, <laughs> no, there was not. <laughs> All right, Michael Thomas had some hardware removed from his foot about a week ago. The Saints said they expect him to be ready for training camp, but it certainly has been a saga. We're going to talk about him in a bit. It, some, some good news on Trey Lance. So Kyle Shanahan said that this is the best they've seen Trey Lance. So he fractured his finger preseason 2021, and it did not heal properly, and it hampered him and his throwing for more than a year. And then he fractured his ankle. So the finger was actually a really big deal, and it really set him back. Uh, so he fractured his ankle in 2022. Anyway, right now, he's past both those injuries and looking much better. So that's a very good chance to, to win the number two job. Yeah. Uh, Cleveland. Oh, this just screams trade for him, please. Wait, to an NFL team or to a fantasy manager? To an NFL team. Okay. Oh, you're saying the 49ers are trying to convince someone to trade yes. for him. Oh, my God. They would love to trade him. Yeah. Uh, Cleveland acquired pass rushers Adarius Smith, and there was great, great. from Minnesota. There was an exchange of some late round picks. Minnesota's uh, Smith had uh, t- uh, ten sacks, second on the team last year. Miami signed former New England offensive tackle Isaiah Wynn. He could compete at right tackle for the Dolphins. Houston signed cornerback Shaq Griffin, and Detroit rookie tight end Sam Laporta, second round pick, early second round pick, according to. Colton Pouncey of the Athletic, he was the best player on the field by far at minicamp, uh, which I guess shouldn't be a huge surprise. Jameer Gibbs didn't play, so he was one of their highest drafted players. Well, he was players. there the first day, right? He just hurt himself. Oh, did he? Okay. I thought he missed Gibbs all Gibbs injured his ankle, according to reports. It's minor. Yeah. Uh, and he's, uh, uh, he's working his way into that DeAndre Swift role very early. <laughs> Carry on Johnson role. <laughs> Kevin Smith role. <laughs> And Saints tight end Foster Morrow, he could participate in OTAs in two weeks. And remember, he, uh, he has treatment for Hodgkin's lymphoma going on. So that's great news. That he's making such great progress. Might not even have to miss OTAs. And we are back to the toughest players to rank. And we've got three quarterbacks on the list. Deshaun Watson, Kyler Murray, and Anthony Richardson. So Deshaun Watson was a Heath submission. Murray was a Jamie submission. 
Richardson was from Heath as well. But do you share the opinion on all three? The two of you, do you think all three, Deshaun Watson, Kyler Murray, and Anthony Richardson, are difficult to rank? Uh, yeah, to a certain extent. I mean, I, I I don't really have any concerns about where I have Richardson ranked, but it's not easy. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I think all three of them, I think I might have all three of them back to back to back. Um, I think they're very difficult to rank. I think they all have enormous upside and very, very little floor. You think Watson has a very low floor based on last year? Yes. Jamie, do you agree with that? Deshaun Watson has a low floor? Uh, yeah, I think you got to say that. You know, it's a, I think it's going to be a, a, a very good Browns team, especially with what they just did defensively. So their defense, I think, is in a pretty good spot. I think their run game is still going to be excellent. And I like what they've done to put pieces around, you know, Watson by, you know, acquiring Elijah Moore and drafting of Cedric Tillman. I think those are great offseason additions to Amari Cooper and David Njoku, along with, you know, Donovan Peoples-Jones and, and even David Bell. You know, I think they have a very deep receiving cord. So um, I still think Kevin Stefanski's mantra, though, wants to be to, to run the ball. And so, you know, is, is Watson, despite the contract and despite his abilities, is he going to ever return to that type of player? I don't know. Okay. Yeah, he was obviously pretty terrible last year, but I mean, wasn't it so obvious the reason why? <laughs> you know, like he this guy was the, was a top 6 quarterback per game three straight seasons before, you know, 2018, 19 and 2020, he didn't play in 2021. Of course he was going to be bad last year. I mean, I, I shouldn't say that because I thought he'd come back and be good. But it seems like a pretty <laughs> seems like a pretty logical explanation. No, I think it does completely. I just there is a little bit of it's now been three years since he was awesome, and until he is, he still has to prove it again. Who's who's the highest floor of those three quarterbacks? Watson, Kyler, Anthony Richardson. Watson, because he's the only one that's going to start 17 games if he's healthy. I would say a healthy Kyler Murray, but you can't say a healthy Kyler right. Murray. So, Okay, who has the most upside? Richardson. <laughs> I, yeah, um, I think it's Richardson. So you say Richardson, right, but is that because you don't expect Kyler to be able to do everything he's done because he's coming off an ACL tear? I think Watson has more higher ceiling than Kyler. I would agree. I, I think, look, Kyler has to prove that he's healthy and can stay healthy. He has to still deal with the potential of losing DeAndre Hopkins, and it may not be at the start of the season. It could be a trade deadline move. You know, that's still a possibility you have to consider. And so, you know, Heath has some concerns about the Tampa Bay offense. I think Arizona could be terrible. They, they may be the worst team in the NFL. And I've said this, you know, if I'm, if I'm Arizona and, and Kyler is not right at camp, and is put on the pop list, and they feel he's not right. Why play him? Right, but you're. Like, but I asked you about upside. You're just talking about downside right now. No, but what I'm saying is like those are all the things that are weighing Kyler down. You know, so I just don't see the same upside like I do with Richardson. And and Heath is right. You know, he's not guaranteed to play. You know, 16 games or, or 17 games. We're gonna get all that coach speak. You know, just like Frank Reich is saying that. You know, uh, Andy Dalton's gonna go into camp as. QB1. By the way, Bryce Young looks so small behind that offensive line if you've seen pictures. My goodness. Um, so, you know, we're going to probably hear, oh, Gardner Minshew is doing X, Y, and Z, and, you know, Anthony Richardson's got to prove it, all those things. Makes sense. Um, but I think, you know, they're, they're, 
going to do everything possible to make sure he's a starter from week one. So I, I just think he has much more upside than, than Kyler at this point. And I think if he hits, he's got more upside than Watson. Hmm. Okay. Well, you know me, <laughs> I play devil's advocate because Kyler, I, I think if you're talking about upside, there's different ways to go with upside. Will he run as much anymore? That's the question, right? So if you're just kind of assuming that he's going to be fine, that he's going to be able to run as much, give you, give you about six, let's say 600 rushing yards, 550, something like that. Not He had a season where he had like 900 rushing yards. He ran a lot that year. Let's say he's in this 550, 600 range. So that's a little bit more than Watson. Watson's usually in the 480-ish range per 17 games. Uh, Richardson will blow that away for sure. But Kyler, at least I can, I can tell you this, Kyler, before he hurt his shoulder in 2020, was the number one quarterback in fantasy. In the nine games that he played with Deshaun, with uh, DeAndre Hopkins in 2021, he was, you know, basically the number one quarterback. Maybe he was something like number three per game. That's more upside than we've really seen from Deshaun Watson other than Watson's rookie year when he was on a, an unrealistic pace. So Kyler has shown the most upside. He's been the best quarterback in fantasy, you know, when circumstances have been right. So that's the case that Kyler Murray has the most upside because he's shown it. I can't say that Richardson has more upside than those guys, you know, especially Watson because we don't have injury concerns with Watson. I don't know. I, yeah, I don't think that there's um, – I just – and upside is a weird term because you could mean 99th percentile or 80th percentile right, in terms exactly. of what's a reasonable upside. I don't think it's reasonable to expect Kyler to run anything like he did last year in his first year back. He might in next year. He might by the end of this year. We're talking about running backs not being all the way back. I, there's not, running's not even a, a requirement of his position. He might just play a little bit more in the pocket this year. Yeah, there's a lot not to like. You know, we have no idea what the offense is going to look like. Cliff Kingsbury ran a ton of plays. I was just he was always one of the fastest paces and ton of plays. And uh, but Kyler certainly benefited. They from have that. a first time play caller. Who's calling plays for Arizona? I forgot. I don't know. I'll check. Yeah. Um. Let's talk about Richardson and compare him to some other other rookie quarterbacks who are kind of like him. Cam Newton was a top five quarterback as a rookie, both overall and per game. Jalen Hurts only started and finished three games. He scored about, if I remember, about 21 points in two of the three games and about 40 points in one of the three games. And he was awful in week 17 when he played three quarters. But he was really good, I guess, on a points per game basis in three games. Lamar Jackson was interesting. He barely threw. He ran a ton. This is a split you just don't usually see. You look at his points per game in nine starts, Lamar Jackson, um, as a rookie. Number nine per game in four-point-per-passing touchdown leagues. Number 18 per game in six-point-per-passing uh, touchdown leagues. Michael Vick he started only, nine games that year? Yeah. Uh, maybe it was seven. I think it was nine, though. Uh, Michael Vick started only two games as a did rookie, he, so we he won't count that. get considered a starter in games that Flacco also started at a different position? I don't think so. I th- I was thinking seven sounded right. I'm, I'm looking. Yeah, okay. nice I, I, I may have said the wrong number, but I, I did the math and all that. But uh, Justin Fields was really Seven's bad. Seven's correct. Seven, okay. Sorry about that. Uh, Justin Fields was bad. He was, you know, he started much of the year, and he just wasn't good for fantasy. Um, yeah, so do you view him differently? Do you view Richardson differently as those guys? Or should we use them as models and say there's a wide range of outcomes? Yep. There's definitely a wide range of outcomes. I mean, look, he's going to 
definitely make plays with his legs. He's shown that ability already in college, and I, I think that's easy to translate to the NFL, especially with the coach that he's going to have, you know, a guy that just worked with Jalen Hurts. Obviously, the, the strides that he has to make have to come as a passer. And does he have enough weapons and does he get enough opportunities to do that? Look, they have one of the best running backs in the game and hopefully an, an improved offensive line or a better offensive line than what we saw last year. And so if the run game is working and he's making plays with his legs, I would imagine it's going to be a very conservative offense. But they're still going to have to throw the ball. And if he can get to, you know, we, we, we say this a lot, if he can get to north of 2,500 yards, I think you should feel pretty good about where his fantasy production will be if the rushing comes along with it. If he gets anywhere close to 3,000 passing yards and can still have that rushing production, then he will be close to what the upside is, I think, that we're looking at here. You know, So, um, again, Daniel Jones, 3,200 and 700 in terms of passing and rushing. Justin Fields, 2,200 and 1,000. You know, So I think that's kind of the, the, the benchmark you should be looking at in terms of where his ceiling could – sort of come into play, you know. So um, that's, again, a, ma- a matter of how many games he'll start. Hopefully he gets the majority of those starts and plays that level. Uh, Drew Petzing is the offensive coordinator in Arizona. He was the quarterback's coach in Cleveland the past three seasons. So, yeah, I would expect them to be much lower number of plays if it's the way things generally go when you make that sort of transition. Um, and looking back at Lamar, like to those numbers Jamie was giving, those final seven games, Lamar's 17-game pace was 2,700 yards passing and 1,350 yards rushing. Right. It, you know, it really comes down to touchdowns, interceptions, fumbles actually are a big deal because, yeah, you know, that, that seems that actually seems realistic. 1,300 rushing yards might be a lot. but and, the, and I think the reason Lamar was, like you said, the difference was so great. He had a, a touchdown rate in those games below 3% a passing touchdown rate below 3%. In his MVP year, I think it was 7%. For his career, it's 5 or 6%. Now, rookies are often a little low in that. They struggle in the red zone when the coverage gets tighter. So maybe that might be the difference between whether he's a top 10 QB or a top 5. All right, so how do you guys rank these three right now? Richardson, Watson, and they're close. Uh, I think I have Dak in between the two of them. And then... Uh, big space between Kyler. You know, for me, uh, you know, Kyler and, and Heath, I'll let you give your rank. You want to give your ranking? Go ahead before I. No, I, I've got it. Watson back to back to back. They're 11, 12, and 13 for me. Watson, Murray, Richardson. But So it's interesting you have Kyler 13. You know, for, for me, like, I, I always try to look at quarterback and say, okay, I'm drafting for upside because there's so many fallback options, but I just don't know when he's going to play. You know, yep. so I, I have him, you know, behind Cousins, behind Rodgers, behind. Um, Daniel Jones, you know, guys, Geno Smith, you know, guys that I feel pretty good about as number two quarterbacks, you know, in terms of either, you know, based on their passing production or, or you know, hopefully, you know, sustained passing production like Geno Smith. Um, if, if you draft a surefire number one quarterback, you know, especially if you go early and just you continue to get to a point where Kyler just continues to fall, he's the perfect guy to draft because if he does hit and somebody needs a quarterback in your league, you know, I'm never one to draft a trade, but you know, he's one of those type of guys that if he does get on the field come week one, and as he's alluded to, you know, maybe by the middle of the season he's running the same level and DeAndre Hopkins still manages to stay on the team, there's going to be a pretty good asset that you can, you know, hopefully flip for something that can help you in someplace else. And Jamie said those four names, Daniel Jones, Kirk Cousins, Geno Smith, Aaron Rodgers, those are the four guys I have immediately behind Kyler and Richardson. And I would say in a two-quarterback league, I'd take all those guys before Kyler and Richardson. But in one QB, the upside, I'll just go ahead and take the other guys. 
All right, last thing here. Very interesting looking on Fantasy Pros, the consensus rankings. This is standard scoring, not that it matters. Like, Bijan Robinson is RB3, so, you know, oh, behind McCaffrey and Taylor. So I was just making sure that it wasn't something with all the rookies. Anthony Richardson is QB20. So that I don't know what that's all about. That's rankings. That's rankings, consensus rankings. See, I, I, I think you just got to take into account, and I, I don't know how they do their – you know where they pull from and who they pull from, but there could be some some people that have not even ranked the rookies yet. Maybe, but B, I don't see how Bijan Robinson would be RB three if that were the case. Well, that's a fair point. Yeah, that's why I was checking. All right, um, let's go to the running backs here. We talked about Dalvin Cook, so how about his brother James Cook and James Connor? So Connor, well, first of all, who do you guys you guys like Connor better than Cook, right? I do. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I get it with uh, with Connor. That was yours, Heath, right, Connor? Uh-huh. No, mine. Oh. Okay, sorry. No, I agree. <laughs> Cook was uh, do you, Cook was yours too, Jamie, or or am I yes. switching? All right, you agree I with that? I thought Connor one? was mine. I could be wrong. Maybe I, I just agreed with Heath on Connor. Okay. Do you guys agree on both of them? Yes, I think they're both very difficult to rank. Why is I get why James uh, Connor, Connor Connor was mine? Yes, I get why Connor's difficult to rank. Why is James Cook difficult to rank, Jamie? Well, I mean, look, he, if he is the best running back in Buffalo and is better by significant margin than two guys who have you know, struggled to stay healthy and be consistent producers that they've brought in in terms of Damian Harris and Latavius Murray, then I think you have to be very excited about James Cook. But it's hard to be excited about James Cook given what the Bills running back situation has looked like since Josh Allen has been there. And this isn't a guy, you know, um, I'm trying to think uh, – who was on with us? It was during the draft, and somebody said that he had a good rookie season. I don't know if I agree with that. Um, maybe it was Scott Fish. I don't know. Somebody, somebody said it recently that he had a good rookie season. I, I just, I mean, th- there were certainly some some bright spots, but he just didn't get enough work. And you know, it's it's troubling when even that they let go of Devin Singletary, that they still brought in other guys that you know fit a different profile. And so, you know, I'll go back to what Sean McDermott said at the owners' meetings about wanting a bigger back that has some speed, and Damian Harris certainly has that, and then bringing in Latavius Murray. And so if they're going to continue to rotate running backs, it's hard to say James Cook is, you know, even a, a suitable flex. You know, I, I think that's the best way to draft him, the best way to approach it is that he's the, the one you want. But if you have to draft him first, that just feels a little icky to me that you have to sort of pull the trigger, I think, in, in that round six range. And we saw that in, in the last draft that we did where he went in, in a similar range of guys like, you know, Rashad White and uh, Isaiah Pacheco and James Conner. You know, I, I just think that's too soon for me. You know, I, I don't, I'd rather wait and take Damian Harris a little bit later. Yeah, to me, it doesn't really sound like it's too difficult then. That's what I guess I'm saying is I feel like you guys are going to sort of be on the same page. But Heath, what do you think? Because you, you're, I, mean, I, I think you're it, the high guy a little bit. I, I, think everybody, <clears throat> I think everybody in that range is almost impossible to rank at running back. We've got a bunch of committees where it's not been determined who's going to have what roles or how many touches they're going to get. He's, it's in that for me that same range. And, and Jamie mentioned like I've got I've got Pacheco in that range. I agree with the other guys; they should go well ahead of him. Um, but Khalil Herbert, uh, Devin A. Chain, Brian Robinson, the the Washington backfield, DeAndre Swift. Like I just don't. One of those guys from each of those backfields is going to be the lead back and is being underpriced right now. And one of those guys from each backfield is probably going three rounds too early. We okay. just don't know 
how the work's going to be split up. If if James Cook gets 15 touches per game, then I think he's probably being drafted too late. But are those 15 touches where we want to see, or is he more of a trap back where he's not getting goal line opportunities because it's either Josh Allen or the bigger physical guys? And we know that Buffalo doesn't necessarily throw to its running backs to the level that we like. And so if he's not catching the ball and he's not, he's basically just Devin Singletary again, which is good. You know, it's not a bad flex, but not somebody I think that has that breakout potential. Now, again, you're talking about Latavius Murray, who I believe is 32, if not older, and Damien Harris, who we know has had a hard time staying healthy aside from the year we scored 15 touchdowns. You know, so he could easily be the featured option there. And, and we're talking about, you know, whoever the four string running back is in Buffalo, which I don't know what that is. So they have Naeem Hines. Okay, so th- there you go, pass down role. Yeah, um, I don't know if he'll fa- he'll factor in, but he's not a bad fourth string running back, right? Well, no, that's the for thing, sure. It, it, they were 110, I think, targets for the running backs last year in Buffalo, split up amongst a bunch of different guys in a bunch of different ways depending on the week. But if he got 60 percent of those, like if he had 60 targets and he's getting 15 touches a game, then I, but I do agree, he's not like either Josh Allen or Damian Harris is going to take the, the goal line stuff. Yeah, the Buffalo running back rushing touch. Maybe I'll just do a sum here. Give me one sec. So over the last four seasons, Buffalo running backs have rushed for 29 touchdowns. Josh Allen has rushed for, I think, 29. Uh, 30. I think it's 30. Um, So that's really low. 29 touchdowns, rushing touchdowns for running backs over the last four seasons, and only one year more than eight. So that's just, you know, it just sucks. It's like this great offense. It's going to change at some point. Yeah, why? Because quarterbacks don't run like Josh Allen into their thirties. Yeah, but the but the touchdowns. He's not close and, to thirty. And, that's the problem. <laughs> what's that? He's not close to thirty though. He's twenty seven or twenty eight, isn't he? I mean, you want to wait two years for James Cook to break out? I, no, I th- I'm, what I'm saying is like legitimately, it could happen this year. They're everybody's saying it's going to happen. Josh Allen's saying it. The coach is going to say it. They're dumb if they continue to let him run and take hits like he did last year for another season. Yeah, no. And, and again, you know, McDermott talked about this. He said, put this on a loop. You know, you're going to ask me the same questions about Josh Allen running less, and I'm going to give you the same answer. I don't want to see it. But, you know, it's a, it comes down to goal line opportunities, you know, and how many of those is he just, you know, plunging into the end zone where he's, yes, he's still taking hits, but it's not the hits that you, you know, fear tremendously as, you know, senior quarterbacks take shots. But, I also think that, again, and, and to answer your question, Adam, why is it hard to rank him? Because if James Cook does hit to the level that Heath is talking about, you, know, you tell me right now that he's getting 15 touches and he's getting 60% of the running back targets from a year ago, then I have him ranked too low. I, totally. You know, because he should be closer to the 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 Swift-Pacheco you know, group. And I know I have him not far behind that, but I, I think that's the tough part for me, you know, why I have the struggle of, of where to rank him. Because I want to see him succeed. I want to see him push Damian Harris to the to the sidelines and, and keep Latavius Murray in, in a in a well reserved role and, and Naheem Hines as well. But I just I just can't trust it. Well James Conner has shown top twelve upside two straight years with Arizona. Um you're saying if James Cook gets fifteen touches a game, he'd be in the RB twenty five, twenty six range in your ranking, something like that. So I guess we could say Connor probably has more upside than James Cook. Is that fair to say? Yeah. He definitely, he definitely does. But, you know, to go back to, you know, my point about Kyler, I feel like the Cardinals could be terrible, absolutely yeah. terrible. And, you know, how much are they going to continue to, you know, feature this guy and how much will he hold up in this role? You know, so he was 
a monster last year. He was a superstar two years ago, you know, when he was the, the, the solo act. And it's hard not to say, okay, why would you take him versus Rashad White, who hasn't done it yet, or him versus Cam Akers, who, you know, hasn't done it over a full season yet. And, and it's easy probably to say him, but I just feel more comfortable about those other two scenarios, for example. So Connor's behind those guys for me, but I probably feel like it's too low just given what he should be able to do or hopefully will do again if, in fact, the uh, the Cardinals don't have one of the worst teams in the league. Yeah, but they did last year, right? I mean, in the last uh, seven games of the season, he was a top-five running back. He was number five per game. He's number five overall, and he missed week 18. If you take away, if you just go weeks 10 through 17, he was RB2 per game. James Conner was that good. They won one game in that stretch. Kyler Murray played one game in that stretch, so they showed that they can be the worst offense, the worst team in football, the worst team in football, not necessarily the worst offense, but... Um, and he was a, an elite, truly elite running back. Uh, he played, he just, he was an every down back. It was that simple, right? I mean, got like every touch for them. So I guess that'd be the counter to that. Jamie, I mean, what do you No, I, I hope so. Yeah. But uh, I mean, I get he's, he's not exactly young. He got hurt two or three times last year. He'll be 28 years old in May. He might already be 28 some point in May. Right. So yeah, Heath, uh, where, where do you have him ranked? Let's talk about James Conner real quick. I, I know for a while I was the hot guy. I don't know if I still am, but I've got him at RB18. Um, I do have him just ahead of Rashad White, the guy right behind him. Um, I Like I said, I think this most of the guys I sent in and most of the guys that I saw on Jamie's list are are the wide range of outcomes guys. Um, I, would ex- I think the most likely thing to expect is that James Conner is going to be a top 12 running back for about 12 weeks. And you're probably going to need to find somebody else to start the other seven or six or however many games there are now. Yeah, you are the high guy. RB18 for James Conner for Heath and right around 24-25 for Dave and Jamie. Let's take a break. When we come back, we will talk about some wide receivers, Michael Thomas, Drake London, and a tight end. I'm not going to tell you who. You'll have to wait and see. We'll be right back on Fantasy Football today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Michael Thomas and Drake London entering different stages of their career. They will be drafted in different stages of your fantasy drafts, but they both fit this category, players who are difficult to rank. Who's more difficult to rank for you guys, Michael Thomas or Drake London? London. London. Why? I don't really want to rank Michael Thomas high. (laughs) (laughs) It's hard to rank him because he was so good. And he was even pretty good the few games that he played last year, but... He's an older player who's had multiple injuries who just can't seem to stay healthy. And I'm, I have a hard time getting excited about it. He just had the hardware removed from his foot. <laughs> it was removed. <laughs> yeah, great. How's it feel now? Uh, I don't know. Probably a little sore. Um, okay, so London. 
let's see where you guys are at London. And yes, so difficult to rank because his best stretch last year came without Kyle Pitts. London is RB23 in consensus in PPR. RB23 for Jamie. Or wide receiver. He's a wide receiver. Wide receiver 23 for Jamie and in the consensus rankings. 28 for Dave, which means we got to scroll up for Heath. Our uh, wide receiver 16. So, Jamie, you're right in the middle. Heath, I'll give you the first word on Drake London. If you look at his rate stats from last year and the fact that he was the first wide receiver taken in that great 2022 wide receiver class, guys who do what he did in terms of target share, in terms of air yard share, in terms of receiving yard share, turn out to be elite number one wide receivers in the NFL. Um, I thought he could be an elite number one wide receiver before he came in, and then he performed that way on a rate basis. The problem is we don't know really anything about how good his quarterback Desmond Ritter is. And Arthur Smith, his head coach, does not like to call pass plays. Now, I think that they were historically low in terms of pass attempts last year. Even if Smith gets everything he wants this year, I think you should expect they're going to throw the ball at least 10% more than they did. And they threw the ball about 15% more in games that Ritter started last year versus games that Mariota started. So it may just be that Arthur Smith really didn't trust Marcus Mariota throwing which made him an odd choice to choose to be his quarterback last year. But anyway, um, it's all about volume. If they throw the ball 550 times, and I think Drake London's a top 12 wide receiver. If they throw it how many times? 550, which is below average. Top 12 wide receiver? Uh-huh. Hmm, that's interesting. Okay. Do you, And what do you think Kyle Pitts would be in that scenario? Uh, top four tight end. Wow. And then you got to have to have Desmond Ritter <laughs> as a no, top No, you don't because they're not going to throw it to anybody else. Sixty yeah. percent of their passes well, top, are one of two guys. Top twenty, you know, good two QB league kind of player. No, mm-hmm. okay. Uh, Jamie, why is Drake London difficult for you to rank? I mean, for everything he said, you know, and it, you know, for a coach that doesn't want to call plays to take the best running back in the class eighth <laughs> overall, right. doesn't exactly scream, "Hey, we're going to throw it more." You know, I, it's just. It's just hard to say, okay, and, and, and to, to say, I agree with, with what he said about, you know, the, the targets will definitely be concentrated to the majority of them to two guys, but it just can't go to those two guys. And will those two guys in this offense, when they may throw the ball sub 500 times, which I hope is not the case, but it's certainly a realistic probability, that you're, you're talking about those two guys both hitting. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm obviously hopeful. I think many people are certainly – you know, if you've committed in, in, in dynasty or long-term keeper leagues to Drake London and, and Kyle Pitts, that they're both going to have fantastic seasons. But we didn't see it last year. And granted, the majority of time that they were together on the field was with Marcus Mariota. And, and I, I do like the fact that Ritter, he got the memo, throw the ball to Drake London. And he did, you know, when he you know saw them together at the end of the season. And so they are very committed to Desmond Ritter. Maybe it's just a one-year thing, you know, and, and, and they're hoping that they still have a chance to draft a guy again in 2024. But this team, based on how it's constructed and the moves that they made, you can make a case that if Desmond Ritter is is something close to an average quarterback, they may have the best team in the conf- in the division. Yep. Um, you know, I mean, uh, New Orleans' schedule is fantastic, and and you know they're they're obviously loaded defensively, and and I think again what they've done this offseason puts them in in position to be the best team. But Atlanta, if those guys all hit. Bijan's the 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 the, the prospect that we expect him to be. If Kyle Pitts stays healthy and plays like he did his rookie season and Drake London looks like he did at the end of his rookie season, you know, they have the ability offensively to be a a, a pretty good team. And I think the moves they made defensively, certainly with a secondary, you got to be excited about that as well. So 
it's uh, it's going to be fun, but it's it definitely makes Drake London tough to rank. So you know, I, I think I take maybe a little bit more of a conservative approach, maybe not as conservative as Dave, um, but I definitely would like to draft Drake London as a number two receiver and just kind of hope that he continues to play like he did at the end of last season and takes that step forward. Drake London was the what was he the ninth pick in the draft? Tenth, I think. Tenth. I would love to know if there's ever been a team. He was eighth. He was eighth. Uh, Garrett Wilson was 10th. Um, if there's ever been a team that's taken a running back, wide receiver, and tight end, it wasn't in that order, it was tight end, wide receiver, running back, with a top 10 pick in three straight seasons. That's really, I'm going to guess it's probably none, because how many tight ends have gone in the top 10? That's a great point. How many teams have, fine, have taken any combination of running back, wide receiver, tight end in the top 10 three straight seasons? Not that many teams probably that have a top 10 pick three straight seasons. So I don't know I if that's if, ever happened. I wonder if you extended it to pass catchers and, and a running back. Pass catch. Well, that, that's the same thing. So, yeah. so wide receivers, you know, essentially. Two receivers and a and Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah, any combination of tight end running back. All right, yeah, pass catchers. Skill position players, not quarterbacks on offense. In the top 10 three straight years, it's very... Very, uh, it's got to be unusual. It maybe has never happened before. Right? Atlanta's done that. All right, last guy on the list is a tight end. And I thought, you know, I thought this guy probably pretty easy to rank. Just maybe. We didn't talk Michael Thomas. Yeah, we did. Oh, we did. Well, he just, no. Okay. Let's talk about Michael Thomas here. It's okay. He said it all. What? Well, give me a round on Michael Thomas. Uh, right now or healthy? Uh, healthy, healthy, healthy for training camp. We don't know if we'll make it through the season, but healthy when seven. we draft seven. Yeah, I was thinking like six is the number that popped in my head because I was I would say that's where he would go, huh. but I, I was going to lean eight, so seven sounds perfect. Seven. I'd okay. like to. I'd like to take him like one round after whoever else is going to take him. Wouldn't you love to have a healthy <laughs> Michael Thomas as your fourth receiver? Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Although I, I think it's really interesting to think about what happens to the target share for Chris Olave if Michael Thomas is one hundred percent healthy. I do. Yeah, I'm not really worried about it. I'm a big Olave guy. I Same. I yeah. think he'll be fine. I think he'll get basically nothing from the tight ends. Probably get a solid year from Derek Carr, and I think there's almost no chance Michael Thomas is staying is playing more than. 13 games? Is that too harsh? Just, oh, 13 would be an enormous number. Right, but that's, to me, I feel like is the most. And I have no idea. I mean, who knows? But it's just hard. Especially if it's like that. a 13 where he's not finishing every game. Yeah, who knows? It's just a really kind of a dumb thing for me, me to even speculate on, but you have to make these speculations when you're drafting, and I just can't really treat Michael Thomas like he's going to stay healthy. At this point, I would assume I would assume Chris Olave is a better receiver. And again, I don't know. I'm not a scout. I don't know. But you have to make you have to make these decisions in your mind. Who's it just they were both playing full season? Who's gonna be better? I would think Olave, and I would think probably They're just they're different easily. though. Like it's yeah. it's hard to say he's better at what he does than what Olave is better than what he does. Because Michael Thomas Healthy may still be the best at what he does. Yeah. Okay, so that's Michael Thomas. The next guy was like, all right, you know what? I think he's just probably going to be like tight end seven. It just makes sense. Just rank him tight end seven. But nope, that's not what happened. He is tight end six for Jamie. He is tight end five for Dave. And he is tight end nine for Heath. And he is Darren Waller. And I just figured, you know, Kelsey, Andrews, they're solidified. Then you've got 
Hawkinson, Pitts, Goddard, and Kittle. I figured that they are kind of safer. You know, put him ahead. But no, that's not what happened. So, Darren Waller is apparently tough to rank. Heath, this guy was on your list. You're the low guy on Darren Waller. And you have ninth. Yeah. Um, part of it's age. Part of it's uh, injuries over the last couple of years. But he obviously has shown us elite upside in the past. He was still pretty good on a per-target basis last year when he played. He's going to a new team with a that had a very mixed record in terms of whether they wanted to be run-heavy or pass-heavy last year with a quarterback who... I mean, I guess just had his career year, but also averaged like six and a half yards per attempt and had a 3% touchdown rate. Um, so it, it's there's question marks about Waller, there's question marks about his quarterback, and there's question marks about the offense in general. Anything else, Jimmy, that, concern, <laughs> that makes Waller I, I'm, I'm curious, are you, I don't know where you're at in your projections process, Heath, but are you projecting Waller to lead the team in receptions? I mean, I guess basically all receiving categories. Um, no, I don't think I am. Um, although I have the other, there's so many wide receivers that I might be. Yes. I don't actually have anybody on the giants with more than 800 yards receiving, but Darren Waller is at the top at 763. It just feels as if, and, and granted you have to take into account two of their, I still think top receivers. Wandale definitely is. I, I wonder where Sterling Shepard comes into play at this point, but you know, two of, of the receivers that they may be counting on are coming off of injuries, and, and Jalen Hyatt also is a little bit banged up coming off the draft process. And so they're so small, aside from Isaiah Hodgins. You know, they're just not exactly a, a, a big target for Daniel Jones. And I think that went into the idea of targeting Darren Waller is to get a, a, a physical presence on the field. You know, there was that meme that was circulating of just this giant figure running around the field. I don't know, it was a lot of fantasy people tweeting it, you know with all these little tiny guys, that that's what the Giants receiving core looks like. Um, so they, they should have a lot of speed. You know, they should have a lot of guys that can play, a, you know, inside, outside. But Waller, I think, is, is sort of solidified of what he's going to be. And I think he's going to be the lead target getter and, and hopefully, you know, again, lead all receiving categories for the Giants. So I think there's still a lot of upside with Darren Waller. Yes, there's, there's injury concerns. Yes, there's age concerns. Yes, there's quarterback concerns. But I think, you know, Brian Dable and the coaching staff there – you know, you, you look past the Buffalo tenure and, and where these guys were prior to that, they definitely featured the tight end in those offenses. And so hopefully that's the case for Darren Waller uh, this coming season. Uh, Adam, they threw 520 passes last year. I've got Daniel Jones projected for 560 this year. Is that too high, too low? Just No, right. I think that sounds... Well, I just don't know how that ranks. How many is that per game? League median last year was 571, so it's slightly below the, the oh, that's 16th. 33 per game almost? Yeah. That sounds about right. Yeah. I think that's that's a good number. I just it probably no hinges on, on Barkley. You know, is, is he the same, and is he there? Yeah, I, I believe there was a, a pretty big difference in the, the wins versus losses. And their schedule is going to be a lot harder this year, so they might they might have to throw more. Um, but yeah, the, the number you gave about seven hundred and sixty yards for for Waller. Yeah, that'd be pretty bad. But his pace last year was seven hundred and thirty three yards. He did have a game though where he played eight snaps and did not record a snap a, a stat. Without that game, he was on pace for eight hundred and twenty five yards and six touchdowns on ninety one targets, which is not very good. But he, you know. He came back, didn't really play his full snap share. Uh, Jamie, you think he gets the 900? You think Darren Waller gets the 900 yards? 
I think if he's healthy, yes. But you can't expect him to stay healthy at this point for a full season. Okay. Well, that you is know, we've also we've shoot. also never seen him consistently, and who knows, you know, how much of this tied into, you know, Derek Carr. How how will he do in cold weather? Consistently, oh, he'll do fine. There's only a few games. Eh, it's not that cold. It doesn't get that cold up here in December. It'll be fine. You're in a sweater every other day starting in October. I want <laughs> September, Jamie. I want to see a U.S. map. I learned a lot about where North Dakota is today. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Off the air, thank you. What state is directly south of North Dakota? <laughs> Texas. <laughs> yeah, it is right there next to Minnesota, isn't it? How about that? Um, all right. Well, thank you all for watching. We were, we were telling a story about um, a former coworker of ours who had to go from North Dakota to Minnesota. And Adam goes, I didn't realize they were next to me. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. This coworker was covering the Minnesota Twins while working in North Dakota. And it just never really occurred to me that you would cover the Twins while working in North Dakota. I don't know. Surprisingly, they don't just cover the North Dakota baseball. <laughs> <laughs> they don't no watch baseball, baseball there. No wonder you stink at fancy baseball. Why didn't so. we draft anybody from North Dakota? Yeah, my bad. The Polar Bears. They have those there? All right, we're out of here, everybody. Thanks for watching and listening. Hit that like button. <laughs> See ya. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the Shy? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes now streaming. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with the Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. The subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply.